0: Beyond! And hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dormush and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 631 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. If you're watching the video version, uh, it's a little bit of a ghost town around here. Uh, we're recording after a three-day weekend. People are sick, people are traveling, people are very, very busy catching up for that day we decided to selfishly take off.
1: Yeah, uh, no one really tells you that when you're an adult and you take a day off... You get punished for it, yeah. Because you have to work really hard leading up to the day off, and you have to work really hard after.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes it not worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: Anyway, uh, I'm joined by Brian Altano.
1: Good to see you. Good to see you as well. I actually really like these intimate two person. I do
0: too. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. if they go off the rails, that's kind of the point of them. So uh, we'll be talking a bit about, there's been some like PS5 reports and everything that we'll get into along with some other game news, but it's pretty light in the world of PlayStation at the moment. We're kind of waiting for the del- deluge that'll come in the coming weeks and everything. But I wanted to start off, uh, first of all, thanking everyone who watched last week's episode, which had our interview with the Media Molecule folks, uh, Siobhan Reddy and Abby Happy. Uh, thank you to the amazing outpouring of support from the B- the Dreams community on that. And for everyone who watched, I wanted to highlight a couple couple comments from last week's show this is from the youtube version uh dalen commented i'm buying dreams just to support the studio that's a, a good reason to buy a game uh, i mean i'm gonna play some games eventually and maybe even try to create something but i want them to succeed so badly um, and i think a lot of us who have been fans of media molecule for a long time you know this is their first game since tearaway to be putting yeah. something out like this uh it's obviously been a very ambitious long time running podcast or game in development so it's Really excited to see it finally come out.
1: No, it's um, I've I've always been sort of endlessly fascinated and impressed with what the studio does because uh, they are one of the few studios I think that are really allowed to sort of go diagonal from the creative norm. Yeah. Um, They are a studio that will sort of consistently use all parts of the deer, as they say, when it comes to using the like PlayStation hardware and tech and controllers and stuff like that. I've always been impressed with their creativity and the sort of ability for them to kind of like not budge on that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of studios that have to go, we can't afford to do this anymore. We have to go and make traditional, you know, experiences and stuff like that. They sell more Um, media molecules like the art kids in high school, you know, they're like kind of stoned and at the table <laughs> yeah. and they're doing some graffiti here and there on the uh, and, and probably getting in trouble for it. Yeah. But they're also making some incredibly cool stuff and I don't want them I don't want the funding to be cut from high school. Yeah, you oh know? yeah,
0: no, me too. It's one of those things where it's like they did all of this amazing stuff and allowing player creations with little big planet. Yep. But you know, that that sells on a different level than something like God of War, Horizon, or Spider Man. Of course. And my worry with Media Molecule is I was just like, when are they going to be forced to just make the campaigns for those games instead of just making these creative tools that are so fun and exciting. And they've right. been able to have their cake and eat it with Dreams in terms of making a really great campaign in addition to an amazingly robust uh, creation system.
1: There, there was a bunch of, uh, like, sort of like a string of very defeated interviews with people at Housemark after... Yeah. Uh, you know, creators of Resogun and a bunch of other just phenomenal, very vintage throwback, but completely modernized versions of arcade shooters and shmups and such, uh, top-down shooters and all that. And uh, there was there was a lot of talk with them, sort of feeling like. This isn't working. Yep. We have to go do. You know, we got to go pay the bills. Basically, we got to put you know bread on the table and all that. And, and
0: they were working on. And I think they've actually changed uh, course since then. They them. did. They, they announced that they were going to do this basically battle royale on the like, yep. multiplayer thing, and it was sort of like, oh man, the people who made rezo gun like you said and super stardust and uh one of my personal favorites i think it was the last one they did uh second to last uh next machina right it was so great and it was just kind of like hey that amazing work we've put into the genre we have to scrap it
1: it's um i think it's the difference between a studio that um has to chase trends and a studio that can do what it wants and um many studios aren't lucky enough to do the latter obviously you know they they have to sort of do the stuff that, yeah. that pays the bills. And it makes sense because like it's it's very tough to convince people to buy in on something brand new. And something like Dreams is to this second still pretty tough to explain for a lot of people and sort of unquantifiable. But now that I've I've spent time with it and you've spent time with it, um, it's a incredible suite yeah. of of creativity. But on top of that, it is also this completely insane, almost like YouTube shuffle style Battle Royale of, of, of games and ideas and nonsense and yeah. short films. And like it, it, it reminds me of something like when, when Mario Maker first took over where people were like, you know, um, I'm not I don't want to make stuff. I just want to play with other people. Um, Mario Maker uh, sort of asks you to. Really, be like a hardcore platforming aficionado, yeah. which is a very specific, though wildly popular and though it always has been, genre. Whereas dreams, like it doesn't, th- th- why while it's not tied to like a billion dollar IP and one of the most recognizable mascots in in history of pop culture, um it does remove that by just saying it, you don't have to be good at platforming games. You don't have to be good at games. Period. You can come in here and play bootleg tetris yeah you can come here and watch the first six minutes of a new hope remade with <laughs> like bizarre puppets
0: you can watch the incredible darth vader scene from rogue one yeah <laughs> recreated but you can also play through a very simple but earnest and well-made game that yeah. someone just this is their first thing they've ever made in terms of gaming and it's incredible the scope of that yep it reminds me a little bit of it's a very different thing and i think the, Uh, dreams definitely has a leg up on it but it's sort of that like discussion about VR we all had where it's like you just need to try it out to understand and with dreams it's like you just need to see two to three things to understand the scope of what dreams can be Right. if if we can get Three to five different creations in front of you, you instantly go like, oh, wow, there is untapped potential here for limitless stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the idea of sort of God of War, Spider-Man, you know, The Last of Us, Death Stranding, Days Gone and Dreams all hanging out at the same house party, you know, all, all, all underneath the same roof. Yeah that is PlayStation exclusives I, that makes me so happy Me too. because it's not I don't feel like there was there's a running joke with a lot of people who don't like PlayStation who are wrong who say that you know all PlayStation exclusives look the same or are the same like I don't think that's true at, at all no um, there's obviously similarities between a lot of them right oh, sure. it's a lot of sort of uh, dual protagonists going through a, a gritty you know dilapidated environment yeah. or um, zombies parent uh,
0: child relationships exactly hunting it's, is yeah. a lot but yeah for the most part, I, when you move away from those like very base sort of comparisons, yeah, there is a wide breath, and we talked about it with McCaffrey, uh, last week too, but just the fact that MLB The Show is a part of the stable yeah. of Sony exclusives, too. There is a wider berth, and seeing that Dreams even widens that further and puts that power into players' hands is really cool. I totally agree. Uh, another comment just from that week uh, on the Dreams train is Project Genesis, in the comments, uh, part of the Dreams community, said, The community for Dreams alone makes Dreams worth it. Like Lucy was saying, it's the most positive community I've ever been in, hands down, and filled with crazy talent. And OMG, thanks for the shout-out in the podcast. Uh, Project Genesis was shouted out by the Media Molecule team. and of course yeah, that's something that Lucy and I talked a lot about with them, but I think we say anytime we bring up this game, it's just like, wow, they are the nicest people. It is incredible and fulfilling and nurturing in a way for someone who's like scared and intimidated to want to jump into this creation suite is like, look at the people there around it and right. the positivity that they exude for the simplest creations.
1: So I mean, the, the idea of going in there and being mean is not even, I, first of all, I don't even think it's possible. No. Um, second of all, even if it was, I don't think people would, would take advantage of that because it just doesn't feel like the right place for it.
0: Yeah, you though know? Max uh, over the weekend did text me, I don't know if he showed it to you, there is a subreddit called DreamsXXX. That does exist.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, last comment.
1: Did they, did they I, run? Did I'll, they run out of other stuff, stuff to look to, at?
0: Yeah. There's no. You guys XXX should check out the internet. Material. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know Dreams is trying to be expansive, but the internet has a lot of stuff on it. Uh, anyway, last but not least, I did want to give a shout out to someone in the comments on the YouTube uh, versions of the show who for. Several weeks now has been putting in amazing timestamps for the show, uh, real underscore sergeant underscore Tom. Uh, there were a few weeks where I was out and not able to put timestamps in and real sergeant Tom jumped in and put really lengthy and detailed time codes in. And then there've been a couple people who get mad and are like, why haven't they been putting time codes in? And honestly, real sergeant Tom has been doing a better job than I was. Yes. So thank was, you so much. I was letting them handle the reins. If they want to stop, i I'll jump back in now that you know I'm back for the foreseeable future. Actually, not next week, but whatever. Uh, And happy to make those. But you're doing such a great job. I didn't want to take away that from you. But again, you know, let us know. Yeah, thank Uh, you, Tom. But yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Tom, not Tom Marks, on the show. And feel
1: free to timestamp this part right here where we give you a shout out because you've earned that.
0: that. Uh, I also wanted to just quickly mention uh, the IGN store is open. We have an official merch store now. Go buy a... uh, There's specifically a Beyond shirt. You can buy it in a a few different variations. Go buy that. Uh, As silly as it is, the more support you show those shirts uh, it helps us be able to say hey we want to pitch more shirt ideas yeah. for each show and seeing that there is a wealth of people who want to buy shirts for a specific show will be like okay yeah let's try out more types of things
1: yeah i will say it's a little different than the way we've done sort of merchandise in the past because outside of just like ign stuff which you know obviously you guys are listening to you like but maybe you don't want to wear on, on yourselves although you should have beyond shirt or, or you know a big Big sweatshirt. Um, we also have officially licensed stuff from Marvel, Star Wars, yeah. Nintendo, um, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a bunch of really cool Star Wars shirts on there yeah. that all like look vintage looking. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to jump in there and, uh, and pick something up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so if you haven't checked it out, uh, it's store.IGN.com. We'll take you there. Um, I think there's an early like first week special discount possibly going on, but we've talked about, and we may be able to in the future do some beyond specific discount codes, so look out for those as well. But yeah, the more you get specific sh- uh, shirts based on different shows, we'll be able to do more designs. That's why we mentioned uh, the elderly Irish woman shirt last week. Mm-hmm. And I'll say more later. Anyway, why don't we jump into actually talking a bit more about the recent news in PlayStation and the world around it. Uh, the first thing, Brian, I want to bring up with you is is something that broke over the weekend, I think late on Friday, that essentially there was a report from Bloomberg that uh, the costs of building a PlayStation 5 currently are allegedly around $450 per unit. That is to create, that's not uh, Bloomberg saying that'll be the price, but that's saying how much it is just costing PlayStation to manufacture it. Uh, the Bloomberg story says, quote, forcing a difficult price-setting decision in its battle battle with Microsoft, uh Continuing on in the report, these high costs have caused Sony to take a, quote, wait-and-see approach with PS5's price, which they've talked a bit about in the past, uh, which is different from past console launches, as Sony usually sets the price the February of the release year, with mass production starting in spring. Uh, for comparison's sake, which uh, Adam Bankhurst, I believe, who wrote this, yes, our freelancer, uh, noted PlayStation 4 originally retailed for $399 nine U S and was estimated to cost $381 USD uh, to manufacture. So, if all things were roughly exactly equivalent, the PS5, if it cost 450 to produce, would be at least $470 to reach a similar gross margin. Right. That's, of course, just a pure apple-to-apple apple comparison. Obviously, there's a lot different going on from one generation to the next.
1: Yeah, I don't... Does that account for sort of, like, for for manufacturing costs in terms of, like, boxes and, like, shipping to retail, brick and mortar. I think it
0: is a pure just assumption of what the cost for just parts like are. Just, like, the
1: parts. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, so, it, it's the same way you see, like, when a when a movie makes X amount of money, people are like, yeah, but how much did you spend on marketing? Exactly. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, so, as Adam went on to continue writing from the Bloomberg report, the biggest problem Sony is facing in regards to the PlayStation 5 is a, quote, reliable supply of uh, DRAM and NAND flash memory, uh, one of the main reasons for the scarcity is that these parts are also in high demand for smartphone makers. Um, and so this obviously, to me, points to as sort of uh, Sony's recent earnings call. They don't know. They're not sure what the price is going to be, right. um, though. That also makes me a little worried that the price may be higher than we want. Yeah, because um, 450 to manufacture it like to me, 400 is the sweet spot.
1: For a new console? For a
0: new console. I think for
1: them to sell it?
0: For them to sell it at 400 I think selling at 500 while I will buy that, is going to be tougher and a mass market appeal.
1: I completely agree. E- even yeah.
0: though, like, we've run up on the show, we buy smartphones that cost $1,000, but we're paying it on monthly installments. It's a little bit of a different function. People are going to see the PlayStation 5 as a luxury expense of a thing they're going to buy for a holiday yep. or for a family, a child, or, you know, a loved one. $500 is a lot to ask mm-hmm. even if it is worth it. Like even if the parts inside are crazy uh, high end and worth the price. Um, I think one of the parts that they said was ratcheting up the price was uh, an advanced cooling system. Uh, and given that my PS4 pro sounds like a jet engine every time I turn it on, I will pay for that happily. I agree. Yeah. But, um, totally agree. What do you think this means sort of like for Sony's general state and figuring out the price? Like,
1: um, I, i'm hoping it doesn't mean they haven't landed on a chipset yet because i'd rather them go you know toe-to-toe with microsoft in terms of price rather than cheapen out on a chip now and be underpowered at launch compared to what looks to be microsoft's two offerings yeah um or at least one or the other right um the smartphone comparison is interesting we're always talking about that uh the, the, the thing that's that's Odd about that is that, you know, many of us do get a new phone every two or three years. Some people get one even every year. Um, you'll buy a new PlayStation every seven years, hopefully. I mean, although this time around, we, you know, now. we did a mid generation jump. Yeah. Um, I'm really into, like, I love taking photos on trips and I keep telling myself one day I'm going to spend like a thousand dollars and get a really nice camera right but then I'm always like cameras on my phone are getting better and better and better so the money I save on that I can roll into this my phone does a lot of stuff that my ps4 can't do and vice versa and so it's it's a little bit easier for me to kind of consolidate the idea in my head that this is the phone is worth the money when I go to buy it um because I bring it with me everywhere and I use it all day. Whereas my PS4 is like this, or PS5, to me, like this luxury thing that's waiting for me in my entertainment center, my living room, when I get home. Um, I can use it for video games. I can use it for Netflix. But I can use everything for Netflix, right? Um, so that's it's, it's going to be more about, you know, how powerful is this thing? And the message they were gonna, they're going to they're going to have to send is how powerful is this compared to a high end gaming PC, yeah. like, and that's where the conversation is going to get interesting because like on the high end gaming PC side, people don't have any qualms whatsoever spending premium dollar on it because that's just something they're accustomed to do. Um, on the console side, when the PS4 launched at three ninety nine, we were like, "That's great." Yeah. Like I remember like being like, "Okay, that stings a little just because spending four hundred dollars on anything ever is a lot." Is a lot. Yeah. Um, But $500 is definitely one of those things where it's like, that tips it over the edge. Yeah. For a lot of people. Oh, for sure. For a lot of people.
0: It's an interesting, it's funny how that like $100 difference can mean so much, but I I do really think it does. And I think uh, Damon Hatfield and I were having this discussion a little earlier today of like, what console has been the more expensive and come out winning? Right. And I can't really think of one necessarily. Yeah. like the Xbox was more expensive than PS2. PS3 was more expensive than 360. And even though they even out by the end of the gen, 360 took the lead in the beginning. Yep. And then the PS4 has handily walked away with the win for this gen while the Xbox One started off at a higher price. Um,
1: yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where the market share is right now for mobile phones, but I know that Apple is able to sell at a higher sort of price point than their competitors generally. And they're seemingly doing okay right i don't know i don't think they're dominating the world or anything like that but uh because there's so many manufacturers out there now uh that's a really good point though um i think it's like there's this there's this something's got to give right we expect basically the power of a thousand dollar gaming pc in a 400 hundred dollar box and that's not going to happen so it's either going to lose in specs or it's going to lose in or raise in price right or a little bit of both yeah um
0: And the the specs thing is really interesting because right now we're all basing our assumption of how powerful these two are going to be based on a leak and some reporting that has corroborated that that information was authentic where it came from. But those numbers could be out of date. They could have been slightly wrong. They could be running in a very specific way. Like the... You know, teraflop to teraflop comparison obviously also depends on how the rest of the system is working together to make the performance work correctly. Like, there are so many variables at play that I don't know really how far apart these are going to be. And I can't mm-hmm. imagine we're going to see a huge power deficit. Like, we're, we're assuming the Series X will be the most powerful. Yeah. But do you think the PS5 will be? right around it or severely underneath or like, where do you think the two are going to fall? I, mean, I honestly, I think
1: it's going to fall between the two models yeah. that Sony launches or that Microsoft launches. I think the thing that I'm worried about as a PlayStation fan is that Microsoft has, I think, I think, I think they have like a, like a war chest that we're not, we're not really taking into account here. Yeah. Um, and I monetarily, think, monetarily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they're capable of or willing to, Uh, maybe take a hit on losing money. I think they're, they're looking at, they're looking at the Xbox thing as like a brand and they were sinking money into that brand to get it bigger and bigger and bigger. They now
0: talk about game pass as much as they do.
1: Xbox. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think that like, you you know, maybe they're willing to, to sell a console at a significant loss on their behalf just to get first to 10 million and get it out there. Um, I think for a lot of people, that won't matter because it comes down to... We spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about exclusive games, right? The, the most powerful Xbox in the world can't play The Last of Us 2. Yeah. It just can't. It plays its own games, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this time around, it doesn't even do that. <laughs> and so, uh, like I said, I've, I'm excited for the for the new Xbox. I, I, I'm, I'm buying a Series X on day one. I, I want to keep reiterating that because... I feel like when we're vaguely critical about anything here, people take clips out of context and they're on my Twitter feed and I have to defend myself. Um, so I'll just do it here. Should uh, I do
0: two equal clips of hating things just so people can pull out each. Of we've them? actually tried
1: that in the past. It's still, it yeah, they, it, yeah, they, they people, <laughs> people adhere to a confirmation bias and clip, grab the one that it doesn't, it, yeah. it's fine. Whatever, whatever floats the fanboy boat the week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I am worried about that because uh, I don't. It's it's not so much that I, I I really care about Sony as a business, whether how much money they make or how much money they don't make. If they lose fifty bucks on a console, I don't care. What I want is to make sure that when third party games come out, I'm not playing a inferior one for the next seven years, yeah. or that I have to jump in in a year or two and pay out of pocket as a consumer to get an upgraded console on something they should have had on day 1. Yeah, I, That's I, my concern. I
0: would rather pay a little bit more upfront front yes. to know I have a thing that has parity. To yeah. not have to worry about that two or three down, two or three years down the line of obsolescence.
1: I'm completely with you.
0: As much as I believe they will try to find a way to get us to do mid-step generational jumps again for consoles, I do think we are like I would so rather PlayStation put in the money and like right now they're saying it's 450 I was saying I think 400 is a sweet spot. I will pay 500 for a PS5. I'm not going to pretend I won't because I do want to play whatever the next Horizon is, whatever the next God of War is. Like, I want to play those and I am willing to shell out for that. Right. I don't know, but obviously Sony is weighing how much is a mass audience willing to do that. Obviously, people who love PlayStation games are going to do that, but they are probably looking at how much are the people who buy Call of Duty and FIFA going to do that?
1: Is is the PlayStation 500 going to be a running joke? Oh, God, Like, yeah. Or is that... Is that sort of good brand synergy, right? I don't know. Five
0: hundred. Here's what you get. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: mean, I've I kind of like I started. I don't really, I don't I don't really talk to my wife a lot about like significant purchases I make. We generally trust each other with stuff like that. Yeah. But it did start 2020 being like this fall is going to be pretty expensive for me. Yeah. You know, it's just going. It's just that's just the way it is. And so I'm sort of quietly putting some money aside, being like. I don't know how much is this going <laughs> to sing, but I know it's going to sing a little bit for sure, or a lot of bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, it. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing. And I do think we are going to be in a bit of a guessing game for a while. Like I legitimately am still holding to the belief that Sony will not go until Microsoft does. Like, right. I think they are willing to wait as long as they need to, to tell us what the price is, especially if this Bloomberg report is accurate and they're still trying to figure out how to keep the cost down because I don't think like we've talked before in the past that consoles would take a little bit of a hit, um, at the beginning of a generation, even if they weren't making money on each console sold, like console manufacturers wouldn't, but with that like estimate of, you know, it cost 399 and they were roughly producing them. That doesn't count all the other, you know, factors right. of a console, but it cost them 381. I can't imagine they would take a $50 hit on the parts and then factor in all the other costs.
1: Yeah, I no, I totally agree. Now, but, I totally yeah. agree. And I also think that like this, um, this sort of like game of chicken that they're playing is, is, Crappy for consumers.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think it's a good thing. I just
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, because I think that the sooner the app you know we're we're adults with jobs in quotes right and so we're we're able to to even though we live in the most expensive city in the country i don't know why we're located here it's insane insane, but uh we do what we can to put away our money a little bit here and there to make sure we can save um if you're a kid or you're in you know high school or something like that and you're working some weekend job or you're working some summer job or something like that you pretty you want a good idea of what you're putting aside for here right like video games we've talked about this before they scale to children, to adults, to adults, to geezers, right? And so I think that, like, whereas Apple, and I hope they're not ripping off every everything from their playbook, can wake up on a Thursday morning and be like, hey, we're having a thing tomorrow. Yep. And then you turn on the TV or you turn on your, your phone, your, your, you know, your laptop. It
0: just starts playing. It just starts so playing. You don't have a choice. You can't
1: yeah. stop it. Yeah. And then they're like, and they're available for sale at, like, midnight tomorrow. Yeah. And then six days later, you're holding a thing that you didn't know existed until five or six days earlier, yeah. right? I don't want... To see consoles go that way. I don't
0: either, and I'm worried we may get there, though. Yeah, no, I'm
1: I'm with you, (laughs) especially with, like, Sony not being at E3 and E3, Jeff Keighley pulling out of E3, like, the sort of, the air getting out of that room a little bit is worrying me that we are going to get to a point where these guys might just do, like, dueling press conferences in freaking like september yeah and then be like oh by the way here's the price and that's only because like some intern snitched to the other company on what they're going to price it as yeah and that sucks because i think if you're a kid you should start you should be able to start saving now you should do that either way if you're thinking about getting console this fall but i think that it's pro consumer consumer to give people a heads up earlier and earlier about what it's going to sting once these things actually do come out
0: yeah and and it seemingly predicated on them just wanting to know what the competition is doing. Like yeah. that seems to be why we're not getting information. I could be wrong. There could be a million factors, but like because they've been so reticent to say anything, that's what it feels like. And you can sort of sense like just reading subreddits and comments and just be like bubbling over of just tell us something already. Like yeah. that, that's how it's been for the cycle of news in the gaming industry has trained us to now want as much as early as possible you know, through no fault of the industry itself and you know, our shows weekly having to t- discuss news and everything. But, like we've seen this drought of Nintendo directs. It's, yeah, it's been so long and they finally just announced the Animal Crossing direct. It's been like the longest period, I think, without a direct in years mm-hmm. and it's like, we used to not get any directs. It used to be twice a year we'd hear news, and that would be it. But right. now it is like if we're not getting news every few weeks, what is the point? It's like, but it, it's I totally crazy. get it. But like that's where we're at. And
1: well, I think that's that's when Sony got kind of burned out. On there was like e3 press conferences gamescom press conferences then there were you know uh like comic-con integrations and then there was a psx yeah and you know amidst all of that you know you're expected to basically put out news constantly um we are an insatiable group right we are like that's that's we're (laughs) driven by this lust for entertainment like that's the nature of who we are as 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 gamers and fans of this of this medium and this industry and so um yeah i i I do I do wonder if people will eventually start to jump ship from either side just because they're going to who are towards whichever company starts saying anything. Yeah. You know, like we got this trickle of information from uh, Microsoft at the end of last year, which, you know, seemed like a like a weird thing to do on a day like that. Cause I think we all me- felt like oh, we're going to get more and more like this. Right. And then we just didn't. It's been quiet. And yeah. now in retrospect, that's the biggest news we've gotten about next gen happened like on a random yeah. like Wednesday in December.
0: It's like the Batman Arkham logo teases just writ large. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not the way I want to know information. I'd rather like if, the, the Sony PS5 website says, hey, we're not quite ready to tell you. I wish there was just some sort of sense of like, we're not quite ready, but in a few months, yes. we'll let you know. Because yes. it, it could be tomorrow, it could be September. Like, yeah, it's and, so uh,
1: like The Batman game tease, it's like, at least we know at the end of that rainbow, there's a quantifiable $60 purchase, yeah. maybe with some stupid DLC or whatever. But that is going to be a boxed copy of a $60 video game with a Batman logo on the cover, and it's probably going to kick ass. right? I have no idea what the hell I'm going to be playing this fall yeah. on these potentially 500 $600 consoles
0: it's kind of nuts yeah luckily we have so much to play in between them. we do and we do like yeah it's gonna be a great year but it's just (laughs) one of those where it's like man this is the biggest topic and there's so little to say quantifiably about it just yet um to wrap whose fault is that it's mine they wouldn't tell me i keep i keep (laughs) dming herman and he doesn't respond i'm like hey buddy What's the news? They
1: haven't set up his email yet.
0: Yeah, it's great. I just try hholst at Sony.com and it never works. <laughs>
1: that probably works. Um,
0: anyway, yeah, it probably does. Um, anyway, uh, just to wrap up the Bloomberg report, it also claimed, uh, surprising I think no one, that Sony is planning on releasing a new version of PSVR, which will go on sale at some point after the launch of the PS5. I assume the holiday season after. There's no reason to release the two of those things at the same time. No. Uh, PSVR will be backward compatible, so you might as well give people a reason to buy into this ecosystem before the new thing is also more expensive. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. I'm great. I'm really happy to see it. I love PSVR. I love so many of the games for it, um, especially internally Blood and Truth, uh, Astro so many things. So like, I'm glad to see that continue.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if the PlayStation 5 will sort of give that thing a, a slight or noticeable jump in quality in the same way the ps4 pro like made it a little bit better yeah um i wonder if that's possible
0: i i hope so i mean we are like i love the psvr and i love a lot of its games library it is now getting to be the weakest of the vr offerings because oculus and htc vive and just uh the steam i forget what it's called but they've been upping the game so much steam link steam link thank you um so yeah I'm, i'm curious to see what they do for the next generation of psvr because again, it was a smaller thing this gen, like only you know five percent of the PS4 market bought it. Yeah, but that's not not noticeable. That's you know ten million people. Yeah, or five million, but still. Yeah, yeah, people.
1: it's um, it's the best selling VR headset
0: as far as we know. As yeah. far as we know, or at
1: least it was when the official numbers came out a couple months ago. Um, ever since I got the Quest, it made me like it made playing the PSVR. Um, something I sort of hesitated to do just yeah. because it's like, it's a slightly more involved setup than just grabbing a headset, putting it on. And all of a sudden, I mean, all the quest wires. even, I know even <laughs> quest even has hand tracking now. Yeah. And so you literally don't even need like controller batteries. It's, it's amazing. Like,
0: yeah, I, I really love my experience with the quest and obviously it's more expensive, but mm-hmm. I hope we see some of those innovations in PSVR too. Whatever Me too.
1: Thinking. Me too. Right Right now, the reason I'm keeping my PSVR is because of the exclusives on it, because yep. in, anything like, um, that's you know kind of uh, on on cross-platform something like moss or beat saber like i playing it on quest is a no-brainer for me yeah. but quest doesn't have blood and truth and yep. it doesn't have iron man VR, iron man vr, VR I can't yeah wait to
0: play more of um resident evil some, 7 <laughs> yeah exactly uh they're doing some crazy stuff with iron man vr to use the psvr tech to its fullest potential so i'm excited to see what they could do with an iron man 2 yeah on psvr 2 yeah Moving on from all that speculation, a little bit more fun speculation for you. This dropped, I think, in between episodes as well last week. I don't know how dates work anymore. Um, There's an AI patent filing for Sony. Um, I don't know if you read this. I feel like that's a very radio thing to say. I don't know if you read this in the news. Anyway, (laughs) there's a thing about an AI patent. It's crazy. Um, Sony essentially patented this thing called the in-game resource surfacing platform. And it uh, in the patent, it describes a scenario in which a player is stuck in a video game that they may need help to overcome. Uh, and a quote from the patent, many video games have hundreds of thousands of individual items for users to earn, find, or purchase and use within the video game. So the idea is that the AI would learn the in-game resources that people are using the most, basically giving you know contextual data. Oh, 5,000 people use this item. Well, if you want that item... You can buy it right now for $0.99 instead of grinding for 10 hours. And the AI can suggest things to you um, based on similar players or the community at large. Uh, It doesn't say that there would only be microtransaction-based things. It could possibly be, you know, like, here's the best, you know, way to get around this. Or here's maybe, like, a YouTuber's perfect platforming thing. That's sort of something Stadia wanted to integrate and we're still waiting for. But essentially, the bulk of it sort of raise some red flags in terms of like oh here's a another way for them to charge you money yeah and this isn't definitely a thing that's being integrated it may never see the light of day obviously they are going to the way i've sort of been uh you know setting this up is they obviously are going to patent the way they can make money off of a thing because they're patenting these things to make money so i'm not surprised that aspect is there i don't know if i would ever use that though
1: I, this feels, and maybe this is the pessimist in me, um, this feels like something that will be rolled out underneath the disguise of accessibility. Yeah. And will quickly and rapidly become something nefarious and predatory. Yeah. That's my gut. Yeah, we this talked one. about
0: this on uh, Next Gen Console Watch. It really reminds me of the free-to-play mobile market. Like, it very much feels like the thing of, like, you play 10 levels in the game, oh, do you need some help? Just spend 99 cents, and you get 100 more pieces of ammo, or 70 more dragons to merge. Like, whatever it is, they, you know, find ways to build that in. And the biggest worry that Miranda brought up, uh, Sanchez, when we were talking about it, is, like, I don't want this to affect game development, because I don't want, you know, an exec at a game studio or a publisher to be like it'd be really great if you could find a way to get five more bucks out of people at that point. It'd be yes. really great to figure out three more areas to put money in. Like,
1: Which is which is 100% what what some developers will do. Will
0: likely happen. Right? Like, you're no fault of the people wanting to make creatively interesting games. Mm-hmm. That will be, obviously, high-end money-making decisions. But that that is where this can... Obviously, we're jumping from a hypothetical patent to the end-all, the horrible idea of you know microtransactions. But it is a worrying thing to see. How easily we could extrapolate that?
1: Absolutely, and it's it's also and we've we've you know this has obviously been a, a industry wide concern for a while now. But what makes this stuff predatory specifically is that this a lot of this stuff funnels into uh, what is basically gambling. Yeah, you know, for children and the uninitiated who haven't really been taught that that's a bad thing yet, because their brains are still developing and they haven't figured out that like it's you know it's not healthy to repeatedly want this specific thing that you can't have and then have to reach for money to pay for it. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I am worried about that sort of, uh, it, it kind of indoctrinating itself into the game development process and the games being sort of funneled into paywalls and, and forcing players to kind of pay to get out of these situations. Um, that's what what we've always said in these conversations is like a lot of the times they're like, you know, there's ways around it. If you grind, if you grind, if you grind. And some people are like, I don't mind doing that. And they're they're not wrong. But for other people, like it, it becomes just too high. And I think what either happens is you shut out and you go, I don't want to play this anymore or you pay up. And I don't think either of those things are like a great way to sort of reach the finish line of a video game.
0: Yeah, it's not like the ideal way. It was probably intended to be experienced. Yes. Yeah, it, it creates a lot of weird complications and again like you sort of said i could see this being introduced as an accessibility move and i think that would be great because obviously there are some people who just want to see a game through Mm -hmm. and giving them a chance to do that is a great thing giving them a chance to do that and finding ways to milk money out of them is a much different story right and i don't know who would be policing this technology at the end of the day like if sony would be like Developers go do what you want with this tech, or it's built into the system, and Sony polices it. Like there's so many variables about how it could easily get out of hand. Yeah, which and, I think is the worst. And about. like
1: all of these things, I think some developers are gonna they're gonna nail it, and yep. it's gonna be a good thing. And for others, it's gonna be gross. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna wreck some good games too. Yeah. If you look at the uh, like when Mortal Kombat launched recently, um, the you know currency with a K or whatever tri- the triple currencies they did, quadruple currencies uh, that all kind of stacked and funneled into each other were like a huge like kind of sticking point for a lot of people. Yeah. It was a big pain for like, we like, w- I remember watching like tutorial videos on like how that actually structured. It felt like a pyramid scheme that you yeah. would do it like a timeshare. You know, Cause it was insane. Yeah. It, um,
0: it's nuts how that stuff can get in.
1: Yeah. And I, I think like with a lot of things, they sort of like, you know, they, quieted it a little bit and they and they kind of leveled off a lot of the biggest issues with it but uh, Battlefront 2 thing right the same yeah. same deal it, it it took early adopters to be like this is broken yeah. and it sometimes that that stink gets you know ca- carries on that game forever
0: yeah it, and, like even if that game as it has like improved a ton since then they've really changed that market from launch um, it completely ruined the viewpoint of that game those, no that, matter how good the stuff is totally
1: was. totally and you know what like having spoken to people uh, in general about what happens at studios with stuff like this, it is rarely the actual artists and the musicians and the animators and the developers coming in and saying, we got to do this. It's, it's always pressure from shareholders above and they go, how do you know, put this in here and, and maximize your profits here. And then ultimately no one knows who those people are yeah right and so they they get absolved of all the guilt from it and who, do, who gets attacked on twitter it's the devs yeah and you Even know if we
0: do know who they are they're not on twitter right they don't care right they have lives to lead with all of their money from microtransactions. exactly so uh obviously like i said that patent is just a patent we don't know if it will ever be implemented but just something to keep on your radar especially as we get into the next gen uh two other quick things news wise first is uh speaking of pyramid schemes Help me out, guys. Uh, Sony announced the PlayStation Player Celebration in which you can win exclusive prizes. Something in the studio just jumped or hopped. It sounded yeah. like a small pebble.
1: I think a screw just came out of like a piece of equipment and it hit the floor. So
0: Perfect. I don't right know. Hopefully
1: it's not the ceiling. Our
0: producer, Barbara, has no idea. So we may all die <laughs> mid-recording. If that happens...
1: Beyond. Enjoy the PlayStation Beyond. 5.
0: Enjoy it, yeah. We will enjoy it, maybe. Yeah. Who knows how the afterlife works. Anyway, uh, they're doing this Players Celebration... Um, to essentially have fans enter a contest and you can win exclusive prizes and everything. It basically works by everyone who signs up for this thing needs to play games and win and acquire trophies. And if you know me, I love trophies. Not as much as Greg, I know, but I love trophies. So they want you to play multiple games. The community must play a target number of games for each stage. Every PS4 game that each entrant plays for at least an hour will count Meanwhile, earn trophies. The community must earn a target number of trophies for each stage. Up to six PS4 trophies each entrant earns each day will count towards a goal. So only earn six a day. <laughs> Don't <laughs> earn too many trophies in a day. Uh, trophies earned from games with the multiplayer mode count double. Whoa! Yeah. Um, so that's great.
1: That's not fair.
0: Uh, if you, I mean, they're way harder to achieve normally. Yeah, it's I usually know. like.
1: But I'm a single player guy.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, anyway, so there's three different stages of this. Uh, you win exclusive themes, avatars, dynamic themes, etc. But I believe one lucky winner, let me see if I can find this, uh, one lucky winner, uh, is it one? Yeah. By signing up, you'll also have the chance to win an exclusive PlayStation kit, which includes a real-life PlayStation Platinum Trophy engraved with your PSN ID, a $100 uh, voucher to the store and voucher for some games. But anyway, a real trophy. That rules. I want that real trophy. It's totally random but I want it.
1: By the way, we've talked for years now about how Sony should rip off the Microsoft thing of like making customized Xbox controllers. Yeah. That's great. Steal it or don't, don't care. Um, this, this PlayStation trophy thing. Yeah. Should be, that should be an option on their store. You should be
0: able to buy those. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you should be able to get it engraved with your PSN ID. Perfect. Or maybe like the hardest trophy you've ever, like the art- hardest trophy you've ever gotten. Yeah, got like in the, the
0: nameplate can be the trophy of your choice from a game. Yeah. And you put your name on it. Cause
1: yeah. I, you know me, I don't really go for platinums often. I'm going for the one in Bloodborne right yeah. now, which is not only. We mentioned it, Gus. Yeah. There it is. And Gals. Not Everyone. only, not only tough because the game's tough, but because like you have to go through some incredibly. You know, uh from softy and obtuse yeah. nonsense, just to get it. Um, Which I'm, I'm having a great time doing it. Of right, I, I got all the expect nothing less. I got all the tro- trophies in the old hunters DLC, which is cool. And I'm at seventy uh, percent with the main game, which I thought would be much further after like yeah, so you know, playthroughs. I'm talking about it, I should have a trophy for just for talking about it yeah. here. But if I had the option to order like a small trophy for my desk after got, getting the Bloodborne Platinum, I'd be all in on that. Yeah, I'd buy that. Sony, make that an option, if please.
0: Herman, if you're listening, respond to my DMs and make that happen on the Sony yeah. store. Thank you. Give,
1: give the contest guy like an exclusive window to enjoy his prize then give or her a- prize. And after that, open it up to the general public.
0: Uh, last thing on the news front I want to mention in addition to my Ponzi scheme to win this trophy is uh, just very briefly unconfirmed but apparently on the box art for final fantasy 7 remake uh the blu-ray cover seems to confirm it's a 100 gigabyte download which is quite a bit obviously if you have a base 500 gig uh Hard drive, that is a fifth of your hard drive. If you have a terabyte, that's a tenth. Um, There are very few games that initially reach that number. Right. Um, I believe it was Red Dead Redemption 2 got a lot of press for its very high number. I think it was either 70-something or 100 gigs.
1: Oh, Red Dead 2? Red Dead 2. No, it was 100. It was 100. Yeah. Okay. Because I was was forced into getting uh, Comcast... When, uh, when I, when I moved a couple years ago yeah. and I downloaded Red Dead on PS4 and then downloaded it on Xbox one. I bought the game twice cause I was like, I want to play this at even better quality or whatever. Um, actually I think I bought a one X for it and I got a letter from Comcast being like, you've used most of your data this month. Like that was that just was, for Red Dead. Right. I can't wait to break up with those yeah, words. Yeah. Actual uh, worst company on earth.
0: Yeah. it's pretty bad. But anyway, so that that is a huge uh, dent on your hard drive, and uh, Brian, you had brought this up to me before the show, and I did want to bring it up, because what's really interesting about it is, especially as we go into next gen, figure out games are only going to be larger, Yeah. and especially with like DLC and add-ons, like Spider-Man is a really good example in my mind, where that game was below 100 gigs, but by the time it was on my hard drive with all of the DLC episodes, yep. the updates that they were adding that included free extra content, yep. my... Um, my endless photo modes like that thing was well over 100 gigs and it was it's one of those things where it's like okay well if i have a 500 gigabyte hard drive that is one fifth of my entire thing dedicated to one game yeah the the photos
1: is a really good thing a really good point too because those those like those stack up fast they
0: take up a lot of it's it's
1: it's like shooting in raw or something yeah Um,
0: and there's no good way to get them off except for posting on twitter now it's yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah or copying new usb drive anyway how is this going to work in next gen if probably the standard is going to be most games are that big? It's, like, I it's, think that's it's happened pretty regularly. It's
1: absolutely insane to me that when I got my first MP3 player in like 2000, it was from a company called like, I, I don't even know if it was Lenovo or whatever. It was one of those companies that like is probably still around, but not the way you they think. They just make mice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, And it would, it, it was like this big and it held, I think, Six songs, <laughs> and I remember putting like half of an album on there, or like an EP, yeah. and like going around art school in New York City and just like listening to the same six songs over and over and over again, and thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. And you fast forward to 2020, and your PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, with a 500 gigabyte hard drive, which is the, you know the base standard. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's easy to put an external hard drive and stuff like that. But the base standard one that the most people have uh, can hold four or five of these games yeah like we really haven't gotten they're massive games they're a lot more than just having one song right of course but really haven't we haven't gotten much better with this stuff no i i don't know why this always this is another one of those things get that gets passed on to the consumer nintendo is notoriously bad about this yeah you but know especially
0: the, with a switch it's like with the switch yeah hey here's a very little bit of internal memory Buy a crazy expensive memory card, right? That maybe we support. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. think when you bought a Switch at launch and Breath of the Wild, you already used up like it's like seventy percent of your data with the because you don't even get the full thirty-two gigs or the yeah. the full you know five hundred gigs on PlayStation because the operating system takes up a bunch of that. And, and again,
0: the PS Five yep. operating
1: system yep. would do that as well. And you start downloading themes and avatars and taking photos and all that kind of stuff. And It adds up. Quickly. It all adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I. I want to say that anything under two terabytes is insane. It's also like this feels like. Why are we even having this conversation? <laughs> these they say if you went on Amazon and you bought two terabytes, it would cost you nothing. Yeah, you know, in comparatively, in the grand scheme of things, they make they make what like uh I think I got a what do I got a four hundred gigabyte SD card for my switch that was i think they were 350 when they first launched with the switch and i was like that's insanely expensive and now you can get them for like 60 bucks yeah it's crazy. Know?
0: well it's so funny the thing too of the like the original mp3 players or, like the original iP- ipods and everything it's like whoa this holds 64 megabytes right what that's and now it's like yeah i can't fit more than three games with my 500 gigabyte hard drive i have to delete things every time i get a new game yeah and so It is a luxury problem to have, don't get me wrong, but it is a a funny thing that we're now having to contend with, especially as we get into more of a digital future, especially when you consider things like PlayStation Plus, oh, I'm probably just going to be downloading games and forget they're on my hard drive for six months, and then that's what's taking up the space. There's all these weird factors
1: yeah and then downloading games with playstation now and also like on ps5 you're gonna want your your backwards compatibility library however that's gonna work yeah like it's gonna be very different than like diving in you know with the switch on day one you're like okay there's only a few games i'm really into here i can fit i can conceivably fit them all on 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 my stock sd card but i'm gonna buy a bigger one on the side the the ps5 is uh, you know and by nature the the xbox series x are extensions of the current gen consoles and that they're going to carry over a lot of the stuff that we've spent years building up hopefully giant fingers we don't cross, even right? know yet
0: <laughs> yeah. we, we still um, don't know the full extent
1: and so conceivably day one you could you could fill a two terabyte hard drive with just your old crap yeah you know and so like throw in some launch games that are going to be gigantic i imagine and it's this is going to get this is going to be, get very bloated very quickly. And so I hope there's a solution for this. And it isn't just Brian and Jonathan and everybody else go buy uh, external. Yeah, go you know?
0: spend hundreds of dollars more. Which we will. We will. We'll have to. We, we will. But I,
1: do, I don't want it to be 500 gigs. I don't want it to be a terabyte. I'm going to laugh at a terabyte.
0: I think we're getting a terabyte. That sucks. I think we're getting a terabyte.
1: That's would That ask. would suck so two, bad. Two
0: would be great, but 2 is hasn't become as standard for the industry yet. So I can see even though the terabyte hasn't been the base for this gen, I do think it will be the base for next gen.
1: If we're, if we're swan sawning the PS4 with hundred gigabyte games that aren't even the whole game. Yeah. Like first of all, like final fantasy seven might go on to be one of the biggest games ever made. If, if like compile all stack together. all the, yeah. if you want to call it one game one at game that point. point. Yeah. But I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're tail ending this year with hundred gigabyte games, like pretty consistently, then what the what the heck are PS Five games gonna be? Yeah, I almost cursed, and you, you I, had this look in your face I like appreciate I'm it.
0: No, it's all right. <laughs> Borba's this one, so ha on me. Um, <laughs> I didn't curse. Yeah, he didn't. We we
1: survived. We uh, get a lot of dads that write in, and they're like, "Please stop cursing." I listen to the car and like you know, I listen to the car with my kids now.
0: And you're like, I'm a dad, and I make my daughter listen to the curses. Yeah, I, only the curses, I do. Weird. I do,
1: and we listen to Wu Tang, and then yeah. you know, I I don't know. It's 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 good. To, it's good to be like that. Anyway, yeah. the, the what is? that's right How f- dare you? her name is f you wow
0: um <laughs> anyway yeah it'll be a curious problem that we're probably gonna have to deal with more and more i can't wait for cdpr though to be like yes yeah, cyberpunk 2077 it's only 15 gigs right he really did an amazing work there uh but yeah it's it's gonna be a weird thing especially <laughs> going to, especially going into next gen um and before we get into sort of all the wrap-up stuff for the show i do want to quickly throw to uh thankfully Uh, As you in the Firewall Zero Hour community may know him, Shabs from First Contact Entertainment of the Firewall dev team spoke to me uh, before we recorded this episode a little bit about Firewall. Now that it's free for PlayStation Plus this month, which if you haven't downloaded it, even if you don't have PSVR, go download it. It's a super fun game. Uh, We talked about the new season that they're in, their new multiplayer season, uh, the new content in there, and why you should jump in if you haven't yet. So we'll throw to that right now. Hey, everyone. Jonathan Dormish from IGN here. I am thankfully and wonderfully joined by our guest from First Contact Entertainment. You in the Firewall Zero Hour community may know him as Shabs. Shabs, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, So, of course, we're here to talk about Firewall Zero Hour, which, if you don't know, or you may already know because we've talked about it a bit on the show this month, is currently free as a PlayStation Plus game this month, so if you're a subscriber to that service, you can download it for free this month, and to perfectly coincide with that, uh, the fourth season, Operation Black Dawn has begun this month as well. So you can jump in with brand new content being introduced into the game this month, which is wonderfully synergized. I really appreciate that there. Um, but yeah. of course, we're here to talk about Firewall in general. Uh, I got to play it before it came out, and of course since it's come out, and it is, for me, one of my favorite PSVR experiences. The uh, tense multiplayer action to it is unlike a lot of PSVR experiences I've had, but for people who may not have jumped in at all before or are jumping in because it's free this month, could you give me a little bit of a rundown of just the structure of the game and how it works?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So for those that are new, Firewall is an exclusive PSVR first-person shooter, uh, multiplayer, as well as some... Uh, co-op elements to it as well so it's a 4v4 attacker versus defender vr shooter where the attackers have to hack the laptop in order to retrieve the intel um, and the defenders have to prevent that from happening so basically yeah you, you pin up with four players your teammates form a squad and play across a bunch of maps that we've since launched released more uh, throughout the operations and that's, that's pretty much the multiplayer component of it. And there's also an offline component with shared progression system uh, where players can play off online, uh, not against players, but against bots. So that's also another aspect to the game where if you want to get warmed up to some of the new maps, you're new to it, uh, play offline and training, uh, training and then jump into PvP and take your skills online against other players.
0: That's uh, definitely where I started playing because I didn't want to embarrass myself too quickly online. <laughs> um, but uh, for those who are jumping in, the characters you play as, they are specific uh, created bespoke characters, correct? The contractors you're choosing. Correct,
2: yeah. correct. So our contractors, uh, we, we launched with 12, uh, and with each operation, uh, we're adding new contractors that come with an embedded skill. So they do have a skill that is unique to them, and there's an additional skill slot you can combine, uh, basically like uh a ghost skill we have where you don't get uh the proximity mines don't detonate when you walk near them Uh, you combine that with tactician our latest skill in the latest operation operation block dawn and you can pick up that mine so you you kind of have to find the right combination depending on what kind of class you're creating loadout from so there's there's that to the game yeah
0: Uh, And a big thing I wanted to talk about, obviously it's a PSVR exclusive, as you mentioned, so it's not a game you're playing out of VR, and to me, the VR component of it really does immerse you in that experience on a different level, Um, but I I was curious, just sort of going back to, you know, when the game was first in production and everything, why did VR feel like the best place for it? Obviously, first-person shooters are plenty outside of VR, but why did VR feel like the best vehicle to deliver this experience?
2: Sure, sure, yeah. We built the game ground up for VR, so it's not a port... Everything in the game, uh, we've holistically considered uh, within the VR space. So we also we have the DualShock Four, but I want to point out the PS Aim controller that creates a much more immersive experience with our with our game, uh, specifically because your character has a primary weapon in their hands and holding that in VR, combined with the PS VR headset, uh, there's really no experience like that. Uh, and that's sort of an evolution we looked at when considering. What we call flat screen gaming to the jump to VR. Uh, we, we basically wanted to put you in the contractor's eyes, essentially. So you're in the world. Um, and then with that, the, the, phys- the physicality and immersion with the PSAM, there's really nothing like it. And we have these little trinkets that you could put on your weapon, you could dangle them, there's a bit of phys- physics in that. Uh, and it, there's just really no experience like it. We wanted to make sure that players felt comfortable through that transition. So we have a lot more uh, uh, button-navigating uh, elements to it that resemble first-person shooters. So there isn't a physical reload. It's square to reload. Uh, we just feel like it's the right step in terms of you know, that transition between flat screen to, to, to VR.
0: Of course, yeah, the, the slight... Yeah. Uh, Things you have to make up for with a lack of realism, I think, do translate to an overall better experience when you're in the headset. I still remember yeah. back um, all the way when I first played it and was fortunate enough to play before uh, the game was launched at a preview event. I still remember those first few matches so distinctly and coming out of the VR headset and sweating profusely and not just because the, the <laughs> headset was on my Facebook, because it... it yeah. The uh, the pacing I think has translated beautifully into VR uh, with you and what the team have done in terms of there's a slow methodical pace to it, but it still keeps you on edge. It's still tense and still action packed.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because our game is a tactical shooter, so it's not the expectation isn't run and gun, respawn, figure out a different plan, uh, and feeling like your life in the headset doesn't matter as a contractor in the game. So it is a slower paced strategic shooters where communication is really key. So we have a built-in mic in the PSVR headset, and that's the beauty of it. You don't have to worry about that part of uh, the, the comms. So talking to one of your, your squad mates is super important with 3D spatial audio, and you have to talk to each other in order to assemble a winning plan. And we, we've, we've experienced that with, with the community, and that includes when your character gets taken out. So you do only have one life, However, you could be revived up to two times and say you get taken out. You're now in the support feed where you could then still communicate with your players that are are still in the game space.
0: Yeah, the uh how natural the communication is sort of a part of the entire experience I was really impressed with, uh, even from those first play sessions, especially because we've joked on the show, um, you know, sometimes we watch so many E3 press conferences and big show conferences and you'll hear chatter and so many people are like, do people really talk like that when they play? But to succeed in this game, <laughs> oh, you need to talk and you start instantly feeling out that, okay, you take the stairs, I'm going to stay low, uh keep out for those blind spots. You, you start to get into the rhythm of, actually talking like that team
2: right right yeah the vernacular comes through uh regardless of whether or not you uh, know what check your six or i'm on your six uh that, that starts to become a normal thing um it, it really becomes a natural part of the game which i love yeah yeah and that just speaks volumes to the community and communication when people think of vr they think of well I'd like to point out that it's not an isolated experience that we have players talking to each other uh, changing their loadouts in our lobby to assemble a winning strategy uh, and they're helpful so we have a, a lot of players since launch that are still with us today, which is exciting we're over we're now in over a year two uh, and they, the onboarding of new players through PS plus this month and seeing that interaction with some of our veteran experienced players it's, it's actually refreshing uh, to see hey, I got PSVR, I just picked up PS Plus and the, the Firewall game, what, what do I need to do in order to, 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 to get started? And seeing seeing the responses and, and just the really seamless transition of onboarding new players, it's great. We thank the, the hardcore community for that.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I did want to bring up the community because, you know, obviously multiplayer games, and especially multiplayer games that are built within specifically the VR realm, uh, you know, can live or die by the community? And I I did want to ask, you know, how have you seen the community grow? How have they um, adapted? Obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit, but you're on the fourth season of operations right now. Um, How have you seen that progression? How has it been for the team to work with that community in step?
2: Uh, It's been really great there. We've seen reports back through, I mean, everything from Discord channels to Twitter, all of our social channels and we have Frank here as well as our quality assurance team uh, assembling reports together to basically identify any sort of pain points within some of the equipment we release and some things we need to address in terms of exploits. And a lot of that feedback is driven by the community and how they end up using uh, some of the new skills we, we reintroduce with new uh, contractors and operations. So they, they, they're really crucial when it comes to that and especially with – with a game like ours, it's it's an online experience. So at scale, you know there's some uh, there's some unforeseen consequences of introducing something new to the game, and uh, seeing the organic nature of that uh, occur out in the wild, and then we either did a, a good thing or we, we address uh, something that happened that we didn't expect. So that's always been great.
0: Well, and I think it definitely speaks to, you know, as I mentioned, we can go a little bit into the uh, info of it, especially for people who are just jumping in and it's a uh, brand new thing. You're on that fourth operation, Black Dawn, um, introducing Correct. a whole bunch of new content. Can you talk a little bit about what this operation <clears throat> brings uh, new content-wise, but also maybe what it changes up in the game?
2: Yeah, big, big change up with this uh, latest operation. In Black Dawn, a new contractor that we released, his name is Saul. He's a... Uh, b- badass uh, marine type of contractor, and his skill that he brings to the, to the squad is tactician. So that basically means that he can pick up his own equipment, and he can also infiltrate the enemy line and pick up an enemy piece of equipment and assume it uh, into their inventory. So this does change up a lot, and we're keeping an eye out in the community right now to see if there, there's any exploits or anything like that, but what we've seen is uh, a lot of griefing of, in a good way. Uh, of taking an enemy C4 away from them and they're trying to detonate it, realizing it just got hijacked and then they use it against them to breach the laptop room. So that's a game changer for us is to see people taking their equipment, motion sensors, moving it from one side of the room to another, uh, something that you would not be able to do before this operation.
0: Well, and that's a pretty great thing to obviously also have that community to look out to and know that they will be that they know you are responsive to their feedback so that if this character suddenly did break the game and people were doing crazy things with him, they know you're there to be able to adjust it and everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, that Sorry. That, that That's just one of the things we do. Uh, and with every operation, uh, with every content patch, we, we try to introduce obviously fixes to any issues, but evolve the game further. I mean, it comes even down to headshot sound effects Uh, that we added and tuned after the base game launched and it's been received well. But But going back to the operations in regards to what do you get with an operation? uh, Our maps maps for operations have always been free. We didn't want to displace our our, our player base into different uh, install bases of, okay, we have a set of players playing in these maps that other players can't access. We didn't want that to happen. So it's available for free for everyone. Um, where you have a cosmetic lineup with uh, a meaningful approach to playing the game. As most most gamers understand these days of, hey, I put time into the game and I want to be rewarded for it. So we do that through cosmetic items um, for both free and uh, premium items that players uh, access using the op pass. But there's a whole line of free cosmetics as well as the map being free. And for every operation that ends, the skill becomes free for everyone as well. So that's always, yeah.
0: Um, and can you tell me a little bit about the new map, uh, Oil Rig,
2: correct? Correct. We have a new map, Oil Rig, set out in the Caspian Sea. It's at nighttime with a distant thunderstorm. It's a map that provides a lot of outlets. Uh, there are grates that have been uh, open and propped up, allowing players to jump down to the bottom floor quickly and evade uh, enemy gunfire. It's, it's definitely one of our tighter quarters, uh, smaller scale maps, so action comes a bit faster than some of our previous operational maps. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous amount of fun, that's for sure. We, we say it every time in the studio. We're like, we, 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 whenever we make a new map, we always uh, come out of playtest going, that's, that's our best map. And uh, it's kind of a f- funny thing nowadays that it's like, we say that about all our maps, and that's a good thing.
0: Hey, it's always good if you can keep topping yourself, yeah.
2: One up each other, yeah, yeah
0: what um, what does sort of go in for you and the team like philosophy wise for a new map? Um, because obviously there is a very specific cadence and tactical nature that you need to consider that teams will play, but you want to give players some freedom in all that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and looking at oil rig being, like I said, a smaller close quarter type of map with uh, quick outlets for evasion uh, or attacking. We look at, especially the last set of maps that we've done uh, per operation. And we try to identify a map profile with each one, especially when going into blocking it out. Uh, and that's what we're trying to set out to achieve because some maps were like, well, the last two maps have been very fast in, in combat. We want to make a bigger map uh, that, that takes a bit more time to, to reach the enemy for them to assemble different plans. So large, small, daytime, nighttime, a lot of things are considered in, in order to create a better uh, experience for the player. So, not, not one map looks and resembles like the other. We want to create a strong variety. And yeah, with the with oil rig, we certainly, I think, achieve something unique that isn't in any of the previous maps. Yeah.
0: I'm very excited to jump into it. Um, and I am curious a little bit about you talked somewhat about the uh, new cosmetic additions that come with each operation. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, the sort of packs that are available to players um, with the new operation. Should sure.
2: Uh, This operation, we've introduced uh, custom reticles, so you could now customize your reflex, uh, holosight with a different graphic. Uh, That's something we've not introduced until now. Uh, We have trinkets, we have face paints, we have camos that you apply to your weapons and your character, your contractor. Uh, So it goes from headgear to torso gear, pants. uh, So you can mix and match to your liking. And the cool thing about that with VR... uh, is that you could literally apply your skin to your weapon and see it and hold it up and bring it close to your eye. Uh, That's something you don't typically get to do with any other title. And same thing goes for the trinkets that dangle off the side of your weapon. Uh, So those are the types of items you see. It ranges from face paints, clothing, cosmetics, and little personalizations.
0: I've definitely spent more time than I'd care to admit just admiring the changes I can make in VR to my weapons and the trinkets, of course. It's a, it's a very fun thing that you can get caught up in and you're like, oh no, I should probably start a match now.
2: Yeah, for sure. A lot, it's almost like a mini game itself, setting up your class loadouts.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. a lovely little addition, I think speaks to sort of the clear attention to detail the team seems to play uh, in all aspects of Firewall. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, yeah, we- I, sorry.
2: No, go ahead. Uh, no, no, you're, you're good.
0: good. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say sort of as we're you know wrapping up and everything, um can you speak to a little bit, do you have uh an announced window for people for how long the season lasts for, uh so people have an idea, or is that sort of a like indefinite uh, until you're ready to announce? Uh, actually,
2: to confirm the date, sorry, I was going to ask Jess uh what we landed on in terms of the end date for black dawn it's, I think it's may, 11th. may yeah mid may okay, yeah um. So, yeah, this this operation, Operation Black Dawn, is going to run up until mid-May, May uh, May 11th. So that that provides enough time. So what we'll end up doing is creating some weeks where missions don't release, allowing players to catch up and to complete previous missions. Uh, That's actually something I'd like to go over, too, is that we we release missions every single week. Uh, Some weeks we, we, we choose not to so players can catch up and and. Get in the headset, accumulate enough XP, crypto to buy the things that they earn. Uh, but each week, three missions are presented to the player. One's a free mission, one's a premium mission, and completing those decrypts the, the, the bonus mission, uh, which provides another piece of cosmetic if you have an op pass. So, th- three cosmetic items a week if you have an op pass. One each week is free for everyone.
0: Awesome. And um, it's definitely a great incentive to keep jumping back in, even if you feel like you've played for a bit that always like, Oh, there's one more thing to unlock. Let me just go back is, is a great way to stay hooked into the community as well. For sure. Um, Before we wrap up, I did want to just ask you, you know, uh, seeing the game evolve from its launch in 2018 up till now, what (laughs) has the team been most excited about to explore in the sort of post launch life? um, And what are you hoping to continue, you know, creating for the players?
2: Well, we definitely take pride. I mean, our team really takes pride into the, the the maps and environments themselves. Uh, a big takeaway with with adjusting and changing the way players play is the skill. Uh, it's, it's it's the one thing that definitely disrupts or uh, influences certain certain other elements of gameplay that that exists in the game. And that's why we see the game evolve uh, in terms of the game mode and and, and the meta. So that's that's. Basically, the, the, the one thing I think we want to make sure that with each skill, it changes the way players play the game. And it keeps the game fresh, keeps the game alive. Uh, and then th- that skill can be combined with various other skills. So that then provides enough uh, content for players to kind of mess around with, take, take a look at their loadouts and create adjustments. Uh, and then for us to keep an eye on that to see, well, what's the next skill we can do? Uh, if that did what we wanted to do, the next one should should one-up that. Same thing with the maps internally, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's really exciting to see how those skills interact with one another, and it does f- keep the gameplay feeling so fresh even after, you know, dozens of matches. There still feels like something exciting to explore because those skills mixed with the players can really just create brand new experiences each time.
2: Yeah, another thing, too, because we are a live game, we try our best to keep people on their toes, and that comes down to the lap- laptop locations, player spawns. We have some toggles here, and our designers like to change up the, our live tuning tables to then directly affect the game out in the wild. So you'll you'll notice, oh, this laptop area no longer exists, and it's moved over here. And that presents a lot of different challenges for players, and one of them is to learn how to adapt to those new locations and use our signal jammers in a different way, and then that keeps the attackers on the toes in terms of looking for it. So. There's various things outside of the skill that affect gameplay that that we like to kind of keep keep our community on their toes through our live table. It's not always through a content update. It we have we have a, a basically a bunch of knobs here on our end that we adjust that, that they take notice and they're that that's how privy they are to to the game. They're they're so aware of locations when we change them, they know what happened. So. <laughs> Not, not too devious. Uh, we, we, we do our best with, yeah, yeah. We want to expose all the changes we do in regards to even weapon values. We don't want to be very hidden about that. But we want to be pretty secret about some laptop locations because we want the players to discover uh, uh, all the updates. We just let them know, hey, they've changed. Figure out what, what, what's changed. <laughs> it, it's a great way
0: to keep them on their toes so when you're just feeling like you know a map, oh, I have to readjust how I think about exploring this map
2: um yeah absolutely the absolutely. the
0: layer uh layers of strategy uh, you and the team have been able to create for the game has made for such a fun experience so far and i can't wait to see where it continues to go
2: thank you thank you john it means a lot
0: uh but anyway thank you shabs so much for joining me for this really appreciate you taking the time
2: likewise thank you appreciate
0: it uh of course as we mentioned at the top if you are a playstation plus subscriber firewall zero hour 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 i can't speak anymore i'm just so excited to go back and <laughs> playing in a firewall zero uh, hour is available for free as a playstation plus free game of the month for the rest of february so if you haven't downloaded it already go download it now even if you don't own psvr go download it now and then buy a psvr soon to play it because it's definitely worth hopping into um, as soon as you can uh anyway thank you sure. so much for joining me
2: Thanks, John. Thanks, IGN. Appreciate it, guys.
0: Thank you again to Shavs for joining me for the interview. It was really fun to talk to him about that game. Uh, I think it's one of the coolest PSVR exclusives out there and definitely worth your time if you haven't downloaded it already.
1: Yeah, please do. That game kicks ass.
0: Yeah. Uh, Before we wrap up the show, I did reach out to the Facebook group because I wasn't sure. We ended up talking for a lot longer on some of those topics than I thought, but I did reach out to ask some questions. It's okay. I'm glad glad we had this time. We don't have silly Lucy and Max getting in the way.
1: Yeah, right? Talking about yeah. Dragon Ball and... And,
0: and, and potatoes and yeah. <laughs> the Uh Anyway, so, of course, I reached out for some questions. A lot of you responded to my very last-minute Facebook post, which I appreciate this, was in the Facebook Beyond group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. Uh, the first one was Eric at the top asked, how's that KF draft going? I'm, of course, in a kind of funny fantasy league uh, where we've essentially picked games for the year, if you haven't heard about this. And again, if you haven't heard about this in the news, it's this thing we're doing, the fantasy draft. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I picked a slew of games, including Ghost of Tsushima and a few others. Uh, And over the year, depending on their critical reception, we'll earn points or lose points. And by the end of the year, one of us will be the winner of this league. Um, None of the games that we chose have come out yet. No one one chose Kakarot. So right now... Are
1: are we going by like a Metacritic here? It's
0: an Critic.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Um so we have to wait to see how these games go.
1: Between us. Yes. Um and I know we're pressed for time here, but between us, you and me and everyone listening. Uh which which PlayStation exclusive for 2020 do you think will have the highest open critic?
0: That's a good question. Um That's actually really tough. I actually don't think it will be the last of us because even if that game is the best game ever made. I do think there will be a certain critical reaction to it that is it's not as good as the first one. Right. And I think inherently there will be people who would maybe like, again, I don't know how great that game, it could be terrible, it could be amazing. But I do think there will be a certain blowback just in the way conversations happen of some people being like, if it is great or better, I think people, some people will be like, it's not as good as the first or didn't impact me the same way or because it's more of the same. I don't think it's as good. Things like that. I think we'll bring it down a little, whether or not it's deserving of that. that I completely agree with that's you. That's just me playing 3D yeah. chess with other reviewers I haven't spoken to. No, I anymore.
1: completely agree with you. I think there there will be a small sect of people who are like, this didn't impact me or did we even need this? Exactly. Um, and whether or, is or not yes. that's correct. We yeah. did. We do need it because, I don't know, I, well, I want to play video games this year. They keep getting delayed. but Yeah,
0: me too. Uh, hopefully it comes out. Honestly, I think it's either going to be, I'm trying to look through the list of all the ones that we chose it's really tough. I think I think it'll be The Last of Us or Ghost. Yeah. Honestly, actually Dreams. I think Dreams might end up there. Um, it's yeah. success so far. We weren't allowed to choose Dreams because it was an early access game, and those are disqualified from this listing, Um, the draft. But I do think Dreams might end up there. Right. Number one. That, Ghost or Last of Us. I think it's somewhere in there. Um, And I think it really just comes down to how much Ghost surprises us, how much Last of Us surprises us. And how big of a critical response dreams ends up getting overall.
1: I'm totally with you. I think Final Fantasy VII has a strong chance, but I think same deal. I think people are going to be like, you know, it loses some charm from the original or, uh, I mean, that's just like one of those, you're remaking one of the most beloved games of all time. You're going to, you know, prickle some feathers
0: or whatever. So it'll be an interesting one. For reference, I did pick up a couple other games. Um, In the YouTube or IGN comments, suggest a game I should pick up because we can pick up games at any point in the year. Um, currently I have Ghost of Tsushima, Watch Dogs Legion, the untitled, unannounced Batman game, Spelunky 2, Assassin's Creed 2020, again, unannounced, Psychonauts 2, Little Nightmares 2, and Man Eater. Right. I picked up Maneater and Little Nightmares later, uh, after the initial draft, because I think they could do well, um, they're sort of like Indie Darling, so if you have an Indie Darling you think might do well, let me know, and I want to put it on my list. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for checking in on that draft, I'm going to go to some of the other questions... And, of course, I didn't load the page. Brian, could you vamp while I look for questions? Sure. questions?
1: I think that if you can only afford one game this year, you should buy Dreams, and then you should make all the other games in Dreams. And we've made that joke before, but we're doing it again because I have to kill some air right now.
0: A lot of people asked, what's in Brian's pocket this week? Anything interesting? No. No? No.
1: Nothing, honestly.
0: Uh, someone else asked, I'm going to find it, Emil asked, does Brian give good hugs? So, I
1: give great hugs. Let's see. Yeah, let's give it a shot. You smell good. Is that? Is it? What kind of cologne you wear? It's
0: my natural musk. Is it? No. No. Uh, I forget. My girlfriend bought it for me.
1: It's, yeah. <laughs> she, that's the that's the she right play, this. by the way. Yeah. Is I, to get your significant other to buy the 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 you know the fragrance that you sh- you want to wear. I trust her. Because otherwise, face. you come home and you get surprised. Yeah. You ever been at the mall and like you? Go to try and cologne, and that the, the man there just attacks you with it's stuff. It's awful. It's the it's worst. Right? Yeah.
0: It feels like a sitcom cliche. but yeah. Somehow it still exists. You'll go
1: shopping before like lunch or something, and then you just can't eat because you're you're no yeah, bad. yeah yeah. Uh, it's
0: bad. Anyway, uh, it's an assault. He gives great hugs. Um, moving on from that, uh, Jonathan, not me, another Jonathan with an A asked, "I'm finally getting a 4K TV this week. Is it worth upgrading to a Pro for the last eight months before the PSVR? <laughs> oh, I, have, I do have a PSVR too. My <sighs> uh, qualifications for this are." If you have the money yeah, and you have enough PlayStation 4 exclusives that you haven't played or want to really replay. Yeah. Because like if you want to play Horizon and God of War and Spider-Man and all those games in 4K or with the HDR and all of that stuff, yes.
1: Yeah. I will caveat that and add, uh, are you definitely 100% buying a PlayStation 5 on day one? Because if you are... Just wait. Yeah, you may, you waited this long. Uh, just wait. If you're not buying a PS5, um, this fall is probably the best time ever to buy a PS4 of any kind, because yeah. I imagine they're going to get price dropped significantly. Oh yeah, right. There,
0: I mean, there were 200 last uh, Black Friday. with yeah. multiple games packed in. so yep. yeah, It's probably yep. going to be a good fall to buy a PS4 Pro if mm-hmm. that's what you want to get.
1: Yeah. Keep an eye on sales and deals though to see how you want to play it. Yeah. Uh, if if you want, if you're waiting on PS5. Um. Then I suggest get a pro ride that out for a couple years because yeah.
0: yeah, should be okay. Uh, Scott asked. If it was announced that Bloodborne was getting Monster Serial DLC, which Monster Serial character would you be looking forward to the most to see in the Bloodborne world?
1: God, this is such a great question. Um, I'm doing some of the Chamber Dungeon, or Chalice Dungeon stuff now, and there's some ghost-like creatures, so Booberry would be super Ooh, interesting. I like that. I really like him. Um, Fruit Brute is the okay. kind of retired werewolf monster that lives in the uh, serial cinematic universe, and uh, Bloodborne has a, like a really, really great sort of menagerie of, of wolf-like characters yeah. so i think like this like sort of tattered rainbow nightmare terror werewolf <laughs> would be awesome um there's no like traditional vampires there so Count hockey will be very welcome and obviously just a full-on frankenstein sure. is is great Seems um obvious. Yeah. yummy mummy they'd all work go to hell honestly
0: oh wow yeah. okay yeah that's fair I don't like the name anyway. Uh, I know you meant it <laughs> authentically, but your "Wow, that's a great question" sounded exactly like celebrities who have said it to me during like interviews at EW when they like don't mean it. And oh no, uh, it. yeah, no. no I, ex- I know you meant it. It was just so perfect. I was like, "Oh, I'm having flashbacks." Oh god, that's yeah. Was, usually,
1: uh, you, I, yeah, I've been on the receiving end of that. Wow, they're that's
0: they're a like, great yeah. question. Um, they're, they're like, a, "How do I not answer that?" Anyway, yep. Uh But no, you did a great job there. Thank you for that question. And, Thank you. Uh, I hope
1: I hope that shows up. I hope any DLC shows up.
0: Yeah, uh, Scott. Scott, uh, another Scott, asked, is the Order 1887 happening? Should it?
1: Um, We don't know that it is,
0: but yeah, it should. It should. I I don't think it's happening as much as I want it to. I don't think, based on what Ready at Dawn has been doing, at least them, I don't think they're working on it. Um, But the end of that game set up such a great, like, Assassin's Creed 1 to AC 2, sort of like, here's the world we can get into. And it just stopped. And it was... It's such an infuriating thing that I still think about. Yeah. The potential there is something. Yeah. You know, it
1: reminds me of... I file that game in my head with like a lot of great TV shows that got one season. Yeah. You know, that ended on a cliffhanger where you're like, well and then it nothing you know it, it, it then maybe it gets completed in a web comic or
0: something Yeah, that's my favorite uh, yeah buffy really got better once it stopped being a tv show yeah I mean, uh, right um even if some of those uh, comics are great yeah, yeah it, it I, always I, disappoints people just want
1: closure i guess exactly but, um yeah I, i'm excited to see what they do next
0: me too uh moving on from that wrapping up with a few of our last segments uh that one thing is a new segment we've been doing recently where you uh the listeners and viewers at home write in with that one thing from a video game that really stuck with you that made you fall in love with this game that is the reason it sticks in your mind days weeks months years later uh just since we're pressed for time i'm gonna do this perfectly short one that came in from frankie frankie wrote in to be on at ign.com and just wrote boy from kratos (laughs) and that's great uh yeah it's hard that has become like it's become so memeified, and yet it never detracts from like the seriousness and the the gravity of that game despite how funny that line now is to me
1: it was a beautiful moment at the game awards it's something that like i think the devs have even grabbed onto and 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 used as sort of like a synonymous calling for all god of war fans yeah it's like borderline a game mechanic in terms of uh how it it, it illustrates the parent the parenting structure there like you know but yeah, that is that is the one of the most perfect one little things in, yeah. in PlayStation history. I,
0: I love that. Had to read that. Obviously, we'll read a lot more in the weeks to come because we have plenty. But please keep writing in right into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line that one thing, and we'll read them in the weeks to come. Um, I'm looking for a memory card, so I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to vamp one more time.
1: I want to, uh, really quickly apologize to the estate of yummy mummy for dunking on you earlier. I think you're good. I just think that you're not a great mummy. And I also don't think that I want to think of mummies when I'm eating breakfast cereal. You also, um, you turn, you turn poop purple. So does Booberry, but but you, 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 you don't have any right to do that. So thanks a lot, Yummy Mummy, and uh, good luck out there in Bloodborne fighting those old hunters. Hope you get killed. See, now I'm talking smack on Yummy Mummy again.
0: Anyway, Memory Card is our weekly segment where you, the listeners and viewers, write in with your funny, sad, happy, weird, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life. We read those on the show. I have a lot of great submissions, and so I was trying to find one that was slightly shorter to read. Uh, Thank you to everyone who's been writing in. I would just ask, keep it a little short. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we are... uh, sometimes pressed for time, and I want to be able to get as many of your stories as possible, so if it's, you know, reaching a thousand words, I probably can't read it on the show, but I do appreciate you writing all of that, and I'm so happy you're also willing to share these memories with us, uh, but in order to get them on the show, please write a little more condensed just for timing uh, anyway this one comes in this week from Ken from the UK Ken wrote in and said hi beyond crew been considering emailing for the memory cards section since you started it, simply because it's more of a Nintendo DS story but please bear with me and I enjoyed the story so thought we'd read it the date is March 11th 2005 I'm a store manager for the UK's number one video game reta- retailer game and it is the launch day of the Nintendo DS we'd campaigned really hard to get pre-orders in in-store displays video footage on the TVs flyers etc but the trick up my sleeve was that i had already imported a u.s machine because as you know it had launched there the previous november right i had the machine in the customer's hands for three months before launch playing super mario 64 ds sega's feel the magic and a few other games i had imported over and they all loved it thank you i've been trying to remember the name of that game for weeks actually and i couldn't remember feel it. the magic feel the magic yeah I, I was talking to someone about that game and yeah
1: i believe it was called rub rabbits in, in japan oh my god yeah it's a weird one.
0: Anyway, Ken continued. As with any launch, stock was tight. If you didn't pre-order, you pretty much couldn't walk in off the street and pick a machine up. Anticipation was high. This was also before the times of midnight launches over here at least, so we were instead opening the store at 7.30 a.m. Myself and the team were there at 6.30 a.m., getting getting everything perfect for the busy day ahead. 7.30 comes around. I walked to the entrance of the store, unlocked and opened the doors, turned around and began walking back up the store. Uh, walking back up to the store, excuse me. Then from behind me, I heard this booming voice. Is it in yet? Sorry, Barbara. (laughs) I turned and saw a guy in his 20s, out of breath and desperate for an answer. Nintendo DS, I answered. Yes, they're here. And he went, no, no. FIFA Street! (laughs) You know when you get stunned with something where you can't quite believe what you've heard and are completely speechless? Well, that was me at that moment. As you know, FIFA Street is a god-awful take on street football. I'll leave that to you. Uh, Soccer for you guys from EA. Anyway, I actually... I've never played it, actually. Anyways, I actually laughed and asked if he was serious. And yes, he was deadly serious. He bought the PlayStation 2 copy of FIFA Street and left the store as happy as Larry assume leisure suit larry i
1: don't know who that larry anyway is, is that a, uh, is larry that David? might be a football that reference
0: that, yeah uh, nintendo ds launch day and the first thing sold in the store was a ps2 version of fifa street you honestly couldn't make it up so er- now every time i hear of nintendo ds launch or whatever i think of that morning happy days anyways thanks for all the great work and have a great day
1: i love that. it reminds me of every time there's like a call of duty midnight launch and there's like one guy being like
0: harvest moon <laughs> yeah I, you gotta be there there's gotta, yeah. be one fan. gotta be the harvest moon guy um anyway thank you so much ken for writing in if you want to write in with a memory card story please do we have a bunch to read but i want to keep reading more uh beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and we'll read those every week that about wraps it up though for us uh on this episode 632 of our weekly playstation show podcast beyond uh normally we are every every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific at beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world uh please rate review like subscribe whatever to whatever platform you listen or watch it on Uh, as it always helps. Um, Jonathan, thank
1: you. That was a blast. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I had a really fun time today. Uh, Brian, when you're not here on this show... You do other things here. Yes. You do yeah. a lot of other things. Yeah. I've what been, have you been working
1: on? Uh, this year I've been writing and sort of hosting a ton of uh, original feature video content um, and trying to inject as much sort of personality and comedy into those as possible. How dare you? And I'm, I think I'm getting away with it. Like they're doing well. Oh. So I think it's I, like people think it's just like a normal video and they click on it and it sort of is, but then it gets weird. Ooh. But by then they're already but too they in deep and they, they don't exactly. want to click out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, Max and I did a video about uh, next gen features. Uh, that We want to see in the consoles a um, bunch of really weird, fun stuff in there. Max did a bunch of sort of Monty Python, Python style animations for that. Um, that one's that one's a blast. And we also did a video on the most awkward sex scenes in video game history, Perfect. which uh, we're very, very proud of. So go watch that. Super awkward. Stuff. As
0: you should be. Yeah. Uh, and when you are not at IGN or working on all that stuff, you're at Agent Bizzle
1: on yep. Twitter. On Twitter, uh,
0: Instagram, or do you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm on. I'm Brian Altano on Instagram.
0: Cool. So uh, and mostly
1: pizza. It's
0: a good. Instagram feed to have honestly. Uh, I am at JM on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I've been all over the place recently on a bunch of different stuff uh, working on. I actually skipped hosting, but you should watch it if you don't care about spoilers. Uh, this past week's ep- or this week's episode of Power Ranking our weekly ranking show where we get uh, rankings from you, the audience on all of our social platforms, and then put a fun show together. We did best Clone Wars moments, but I'm currently watching the Clone Wars and didn't want spoilers. So Josh Dew uh, on our social team stepped in to host as a Force ghost, and it is perfect.
1: That's amazing. It's
0: really good. You should check it out. Uh, So I host that show normally every week, uh, as well as I'm a member of our show, Next Gen Console Watch 2020, which is every Friday, early mornings. Check it out on IGN and YouTube. You'll find it there. And then, yeah, otherwise, we are here every Wednesday. Please come back. Please watch. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode. And as always, beyond. beyond. Ooh, we synced up. Yeah, that was great. That worked out.
1: It was like a hug of words.
0: Oh, it was a good hug.